Hey everyone and welcome back to the Worthy Pieces podcast. I'm Rhonda Davis and today's episode we are going to focus on grief. Um, This topic is very, very meaningful for, for me for multiple reasons. Um, As many of you know, the kind of height of my success and the whole reason I do what I do comes from myself of losing my dad. Um, So the topic of losing someone and grief is near and dear to my heart. Um, But I also picked this topic this week because I feel like I've had so many people, friends and clients and actually some other family members that have recently lost someone or they have expressed to them, my expressed to me um, that they're really struggling with their own grief process. And so because of that, I have asked one of my good friends, Nick, to come on here and share his story of his own grief and heartbreak. Um, I've asked him to come on and share his, the story of him losing some family members in tragic ways, um, but also to share his story, his mental health journey about um, what he struggled with and what how these traumas have really shaped his life. So Nick, welcome and thank you so much for being brave enough to come on here and share your story. You know, um, it's really great to uh, spread awareness and everything that I have uh, been through and I know what you've been through. Um, so I'm, I'm very thankful that you asked me of all people to come on here and share my experience. Yeah, it's kind of bittersweet, right? Like we can bond in, in I know. Trauma, traumatic ways. <laughs> I know. It's like, leave it to you and me, right? But I also know so many other people out there really, really struggle with this. And, you know, I, I think that it's a, a simple statement to say it's inevitable that people are going to lose family or experience death. But I think the one thing that I have found myself this week talking a lot about is the logical versus the emotional side. And I think it's very easy for us to logically say, I lost my dad. It, he, you know, he, he's dead. It's over. It's done. What can I do? But I, th- I think it's a whole other conversation when people are very open and vulnerable and expressing what it's like for them on the emotional side, because that hits home in so many different levels. And there's a lot of people that with the grieving process, it's complicated and it's confusing. And sometimes it's really traumatic for us of what we go through to in order to grieve and, and, and to overcome certain things in our life with this. To say the least. I mean, the trauma when you find you, you always watch these movies, you watch these TV shows and you see somebody pass away, you see somebody die, and it might be in a traumatic way. But when it happens to you personally, it is certainly a different feeling. It is true to yourself, it's true to your heart, depending on the relationship that you have with this person. And I remember losing one of my closest family members for the first time. It was, it, it makes you feel like a different person. It makes you think it makes you live life in a different way, period. So um, to go through that, and I know you've gone through that, but to have gone through that twice in a row, basically within a year, uh, that, that was a lot, especially when one was expected and one was unexpected, which are two different spectrums of the universe. So it's yeah. been a lot, but emotionally it hits you. It hits you differently you know yeah and I think that that's important that like that's recognized because I think that's one area that a lot of people don't realize is that it doesn't really matter the role of that person in your life grief is going to hit you differently and it really I mean it does matter but it doesn't matter as far as how close you are to that person you're still Mm -hmm. going to be affected and even some of those like unhealthy relationships or those secure relationships that we have they're they're still going to hit you and they're still going to affect us and I think that us having this conversation today, I hope really validates other people that sadly has gone through this or will go through this to know that you're not crazy and it's the shittiest feeling in the world. And it's sad that people yeah. have to kind of join the the dead dad club. I know that that's insensitive and it's kind of like a lighthearted joke, but it's true. The same. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like this unwanted club that nobody wants to be a part of that everyone unfortunately is going to go through. Right. I mean, you always think about it. 
growing up, I don't want to lose my mom. I don't want to lose my dad. I don't want to lose these people that have created this life for me. And then one second it happens, you know? And so you, you, you always think of these situations and it's sad, but when it actually happens, it definitely hits you in a different way. Um, I personally uh, have had years at this moment in my time to contemplate everything, to think about my life, to think about everything, every relationship that I had with both my father and my sister. And you know when people say like, always tell somebody you love them because you never know when it's gonna be the end. When that actually happens, you're like, shit, I should have said, I love you one more time. And you don't think about that until it actually happens. And then you rack through your brain of all of the memories. And then you think about, oh my gosh, this person did this for me. This person did this for me. Even if it's a friend or a family member, you always wish at the end of the day, I said, I love you one more time. Yeah, it's true. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, like sometimes I cringe when people post that stuff on Facebook um, yeah. or, you know, social media, because it's also one of those things I'm like, you're taking 30 seconds to post this and like publicly want, you know, validation or letting people know your support when really like, I don't know, maybe this is bias and I'm selfish for thinking this, but I also like, I don't want to know Facebook publicly that you're posting, like I can reach out to you. It's so much more right. meaningful if I get a text. It's like, hey, I'm thinking of you. I love you. You randomly came across my mind today. If you need anything, I'm here. And so sometimes I cringe, not that like, I don't know. I don't want to like dismiss that, but I sometimes think it's insensitive because it's, you know, Facebook or or we oh, become yeah. so overwhelmed with social media or computers or life that we also forget how to be personable with people. And then I we always going like, that's on the Facebook. one regret <laughs> because of that. Sorry to in interrupt you, but I stopped going on Facebook. It's so like, yeah. you can send your thoughts and prayers. That's great. Whatever you need in your life to feel better. But when it's happening to the person, yeah. reach out because yeah. God, when, when you lost your father, it's just like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to act. And yeah. I think that's a lot of reactions that a lot of people have is I don't know 100%. how to convey my, my emotions to you with being respectful yeah. to you and your situation that's happening. And I think a lot of people overthink that myself included. Um, so I agree with you going on social media, going on Facebook and posting things. It's just, it's insignificant to me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree. I'm right there with so, you. So okay, so let's dive in to you and your story. So I mean, before okay. we get maybe into the heaviness of everything, do you want to start by just okay. telling us a little bit about you and your family dynamics and yeah, the relationships that you did lose? Um, yeah. So um I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up in New Hampshire. Um I had a very um not great childhood uh, I was like the poor kid basically um, so I had a lot of struggles for myself and then obviously coming out as a gay man uh, was a struggle in itself um, but I have unfortunately lost my sister tragically um, we'll get into that but I also within the same year lost my father to cancer um, so I've gone through a lot of loss in my life, for sure. Um, so there's been a lot of trauma. There's been a lot of heartache, a lot of growth. Just a lot of different mental symptoms um, that I've tried working on myself with personally. So I've been through addiction. I've been through cancer. I've been through sexual abuse. I've been, I've been through a lot. So if... We're going to go there. Yeah. Um, but I'm willing to open up and share awareness. No, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I know, I think it takes a lot of vulnerability for you to be here. 
So tell us how long ago did you lose your sister and your father? Um, so I was living in Hawaii. It was actually um, right after you moved. Is that okay for me to say? Sorry. Okay. Um, it was right after you moved. Um, I got a text message from my mother. I said, uh, and it said 911 uh, emergency. And I thought it was my father who I already knew that had cancer. And so I thought it was about him. But then I talked to my mother and I got the call. I was sitting on the floor with my legs crossed, like Indian style. And my mom said, Christy died. Christy is my sister. She said, Christy died. And it changed my world forever to this day. Um, I never expected it. I never, uh, we can dive in later, I guess, about why she passed away. But um, when I got that call, Jose, our, your best friend, my fiance, just jumped in the room and hugged me. And I was like, my sister died. And I broke down. Like, it was the worst. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the worst day of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think. Sorry. That, <laughs> I do not apologize. I mean, I think that yeah. like anyone that's lost someone knows the heaviness and also sadly can relate to that feeling, you know, uh, in some comparison where hearing those words is literally life changing and, and the worst moments of our lives. Yeah. It was definitely, I, I didn't know what to do and I needed, um, so anxiety um, like hit my body and I just needed to do something. I needed to not be standing there doing nothing. It was like seven o'clock in the morning um, and I needed to not be there. I needed to go. So what I did was I walked down Kalakaua Avenue <laughs> and I walked to where I was scheduled to work at a restaurant um, a few moments later or a few hours later and I talked to my general manager and I said listen my sister passed away and she cried I cried and it was kind of a heartwarming moment in a way but I just needed to do something so that was the adrenaline in my heart it was the the, the anxiety, it was the, I don't know what to think. It was the, I don't know, trying to concentrate on something. You know, you have to get your mind in a different space. That's how I felt in that moment. I just needed to do something that wasn't thinking about, oh my gosh, my sister is no longer with me. Yeah. That's where I came from. That was the most devastating call anybody could ever get. Well, and it's interesting it that like you panicked, hard. but you went to work and almost like tried to have a sense of normalcy and have a sense of responsibility where exactly. you know most people receiving that like shatter and crumble and they go into panic mode. And like if it was me, I think about that moment that if I was in Hawaii and got the the call about my dad, I would have been at the airport first thing on a plane. Like I wouldn't have given two shits about going to work. So I think that that's a right. really good example of like when that adrenaline or when that fight or flight hits you, like how you respond. Yeah. And sometimes it's not with reason or logic. Yeah, I, I needed to do something. I needed to just not think about it because it wasn't realistic in my mind Yeah. at all. So I went and I told the general manager, like, I can't work. I have to fly from Hawaii to New Hampshire. Like that's... yeah that's 5,000 miles <laughs> of travel yeah. and it, there were there were so many different emotions that hit me it's yeah when did it, everything it hit you hard. so like I mean was it that day um, was it days after um you know I will say it was instant but when I say instant I mean it wasn't real in the very moment. But when I was on the flight by myself, 
I was like, oh my God, I'm flying home 5,000 miles to go to my sister's funeral, who was like 32 years old. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was bonkers. And I don't know if you know this about me, I hate flying. So to get on a plane by myself with anxiety going to my sister's, my dead sister's funeral, I was so scared to go to the airport. And I got on that plane and I touched down. I saw my best friends that were supporting me through the situation. And um, it was just a lot. It was a lot all at once, for sure. And there were probably moments like on the flight and even preparing to go back home. Like, again, this goes back to my point of like, logically, you, you can say it and you can hear it and you can know it. But, but when it actually like happens. It, it, yeah. <laughs> well, and there's a part of you that probably like, this isn't real. I'm going to get off this plane and I'm going to get like punked or I'm going to get every, you know, like a sick joke, but like, right. we don't, we can't accept that the reality of it happened. And, and, and it probably right. didn't until maybe you saw your mom or you went home or something, something like that happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, seeing my family w- was crazy. Um, but seeing it was an open casket sorry to get dark and deep here but um it was an open casket and I did like put my hand on her arm and she was so cold and it was just it was an out-of-body experience it didn't feel real but mm-hmm. moving forward now that I'm like saying this out loud and yeah I know I've teared up a bit I mean naturally but I can talk about it now before I couldn't say a single word without sobbing so with a transition in that going through that entire experience there are things that have um made me feel at ease shockingly like i hear certain songs that remind me of my sister i hear like or i'll eat certain food that remind me of my sister and so now years later just a few years later it makes me smile and i will say out loud like hi christy how are you or like mm-hmm. um there are songs we used to sing together and they'll come on randomly on the radio and i'll be like hi christy how are you so it took me a long time to get to that but when you can dial it back and think in the back of your mind the good memories that's what's the core of your mental stability when you have such traumatic stress yeah um it's taken a lot of work but there are those things just those happy things um there's even a song by pink uh who knew and if you listen to every single word of that song, that is my story with my sister. And um, to kind of transition into, should I say why my sister passed? How? Absolutely, if you feel comfortable. Yeah, I, I feel comfortable if you are. Yeah. Okay, so my, my sister passed from an overdose from heroin. And I did not even know she was using that drug. And um, the song that I just mentioned from uh, Pink is Who Knew? That's about when Pink had a best friend and he died from a heroin overdose. It was the first time she ever experienced that. But if you listen to the lyrics, um, you visit me in my sleep, all of these things like who knew? that was my relationship with my sister she did everything for me she loved me she supported me so now with that being said when she's been gone the transition of when she's been gone and the hardest thing that i have had to deal with is i wish she saw that i lived in hawaii which she didn't even know i lived in hawaii because she or she did i guess but not to the extent of everything I did in Hawaii. Um, She doesn't know I live in uh, California now. She doesn't know that I am a background actor, which she always knew I wanted to act. She doesn't know I'm starting my own business. She doesn't know my travels. And like, that is the hardest thing 
is to not be able to communicate. And so in different ways, when I hear those songs, when I see her in my dreams, those are special moments for me. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's when I, I feel good. And that's why I can talk about it right now. Yeah. Which it, it was probably like a really big shock for you. Like you said, you didn't know she was using that drug. And so for you, you not only had to accept and grieve your sister's death, but you also then had like a whole other level of trauma of knowing she was an addict and that she overdosed. Like that's a whole other heavy trauma. And then, then for me, the hard part, and I'm sorry to get emotional again, is like, I wasn't there when everything happened. So to have in the back of my mind, the thought of her, like, can I just say how she kind of passed? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, Apparently she had overdosed and she was in the the bathroom of her house and she fell over because she passed out, knocked her head and she was dead. So, so I have the trauma of, thinking of like oh my god did she suffer oh my god did she what was she thinking how is she I didn't get to say goodbye the last time I talked to her was Thanksgiving living in Hawaii I was cooking Thanksgiving dinner and I was cooking her recipe and so these are things that live in my mind of like I can talk about it now because she's still here with me you know but I still have that trauma of waking up and hearing that 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 my mom was like Christy died it's incredibly intense but like I said I have now taken those songs that we love together and those the food that we love together I can take that and take it to my heart and I can speak about it so like dealing with that trauma you have to dial it back and concentrate your thoughts to to recognize this does happen to everybody and unfortunately it happened to you but we're going to push through this and we're going to be happy about the life and the time that we did spend with these people yeah but how long did it get you to get to that point though like I Um, I mean I like as a therapist I'm going to call you on that because I know that that did not happen in a matter of months or even days no no oh god it still happens to me this day um it, it takes years it took me years probably upwards of five, six years to be able to be sitting here talking about the situation um, of what happened. That years, years. But if you, I mean, there's no getting around it. Yeah. It takes time. It takes time. And it hasn't been easy. And don't get me wrong. I get those triggers. That's a big pointer I get those triggers I can watch a movie I could hear a song I could smell a smell I can look at food I can do whatever and it'll trigger it and um even my fiance Jose he has cried to me and said like I wish that I could know your sister better so it definitely he literally (laughs) don't make me cry But um, he literally has cried and said, like, I wish I knew Christy better, but like, he can't. And it's like, what else can you do other than respect their life in a certain way and know what they love? And Yeah. But it, it took years, Rhonda, years. Yeah. I'm still obviously not even right. So sister passed and then you obviously were not in a good place. And then how soon nope. after dad died? Um, God, within like a year, he died from cancer. Um, he had advanced uh, melanoma, so he had skin cancer. It was terrible. I had a falling out with my family because of it. Um, my dad and I had a good relationship. I actually am starting a new, did I tell you this? I'm starting a private chef company. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You didn't tell me, no. Uh, okay, well, I'm starting up a business and it's because of him, my father. So um, 
I've learned to cook from him. Um, I went through that process with my father and within a year having two different passings of literally my father, my sister, um, it changes you, it affects you. There's no getting around that. Um, it was one of those situations where um, with my father, because he was suffering, it felt better that I knew that he was um, not suffering anymore mm. when he passed. Um, he was in bad shape, very, very bad shape. So it was almost comforting in a weird way for him. And I don't know, it was, to be quite honest, it wasn't as hard as Christy, my sister. Totally, yeah. But my dad, it was like, finally, he's not suffering. Versus my sister, it was so sudden. Right. So it's two different, two different scenarios. Yeah. And I think that most people like to touch on what we were talking about earlier, like I think, you know, as all of us little kids and we grow up with this kind of like, quote unquote, preparation of death of grandparents, it's, it's this idealization that we have of, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to hit all of these life milestones, and my parents are going to witness all of this. And right. I get to take care of them. And they're going to be 80 years old, and they get to die. And I get to prepare myself because I get to see their quality of life decline, or they're going to get sick. And, and there's right. this acceptance stage of that, where, you know, getting a cancer diagnosis, or getting this diagnosis that, in a way, like it sombers you and prepares you, not that you ever want right. that to happen, but it does prepare you very, very differently than, than coming up with like an unexpected tragic death. Because it, I think like the shock factor, the preparedness, that idealization of you have of these life events goes out the window really, really rapidly. Incredibly rapidly. It's, you're absolutely correct. Everything you just said, it's like I said, when I got that call from my mother, I was expecting my father who I already knew who had cancer. I thought she was calling me for his passing. But then yeah. to find out my sister was just like, no, it's not real. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. And to, to hit that, it's just, it's unworldly. And I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. Yeah. So what did you do after? So after losing both of these family members, being in your own, you know, kind of state of grief and chaos, what yeah. was life like for you after? Um, it certainly, so the, uh, Christy, my sister was the first to pass. Um, so I had to figure out how to get from Hawaii to New Hampshire, which is incredibly expensive. And once figuring that out, being there, being with family, being with friends, and I actually met my, so my mom is adopted, but at my sister's funeral, uh, my biological grandfather was there and that was the first time I got to meet him. So that was a special moment that I will cherish forever. But with the coping, um, I can't lie, it was a lot of being with my partner, a lot of talking, a lot of crying, a lot of um, listening to music. And this goes for my father as well, who loved U2, the band. Uh, it was a lot of listening to music and diverting my mind to something different, to crafts, to cooking, to music, to whatever, to working harder. Um, it was definitely, I need to do something other than just think, I need to do something. So that, that was my coping mechanism. And then I finally got to the point where I could talk. Once I talk, once I let out my emotions, once I sobbed in Jose's arms, once I cried in my friend's arms once I once I heard those songs that reminded me of my family those things pushed me to get the emotions out and then once I finally got that out I could finally talk I could finally just speak about it speak about memories speak about whatever it may be that made me happy with those people 
once I could get to that point, that's why I'm not crying right now is because I can now talk about them because they're, they're special in my heart. They're, you know, uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Which I think so many people do. And it's interesting you say that you like distracted yourself in a way, because I think so many people do that. And like, maybe you're special in this regards in the sense that like you, you distracted yourself, but also like honored them and processed while you were doing these other activities. And I think so many people distract themselves because like I said earlier, like it's done, it's over with, what do I do now? I can't change it. I don't want to accept it. I don't want to sit here and sit in this heartbreak. So I'm going to just pick up my life and move on. And, and people wonder why, you know, they have such a hard time overcoming the grief because they really don't ever look at it. Um, I know like especially this week, for whatever reason, in a lot of my sessions, when I've had these conversations, I've asked almost every single person, how have you been honoring them? Whether it was 10 years ago or yesterday that they lost someone. And yeah. it's amazing how many people are like, I don't, I just like, I, when I'm sad, I don't want to be sad. So I go to work and I work a 12 hour shift. So I don't have to think about it. And it's, I, it blew my mind hearing that because I, I feel like I was the opposite. Like the only way I could feel like I connected to my dad or had some type of sanity was I had to do something that he was connected to. Me going to work just to like escape that was not something I at all wanted to do because to me that was like running from my dad, even though yes, it hurt like hell, but there was a part of me, right. all I wanted to do was feel that closeness or feel that connection and, and so I think that this is also another good example of just how people handle this so, so, so differently. And there really right. is no like textbook that's like, hey, you're on week two of losing your dad. This is what step you should be on. Right. Well, so what did you do to honor your dad? Because I know that was that was a huge thing. Honestly, I didn't do anything. The first six months of his death, I was the most depressed I've ever been. I gained the most weight I had ever done because I did not care, literally did not care what I was eating or drinking. I didn't care what quantities. Um, I wasn't working out. I wasn't really doing anything. It was me really just being in that fog. And I remember his six-month anniversary for whatever reason I woke up and well, part of that was because also my partner six months, almost to the day went, got diagnosed with breast cancer. And right. so there was, there was a point to where I woke up being like, you, you can't do this. Like you need to get your shit together and do something with your life. Um, so honestly, like, I don't think I really started to honor him until about his year mark. And, and I remember that was a big part to starting my business because I woke up that on his year anniversary and it was almost like a message, whether it was his voice or just my own subconscious that literally was like, what are you doing with your life? Like you either need to make the decision of opening your practice or like you don't get to just be here and get sad. You don't get to be here and just like eat and cope in really unhealthy ways. And so I think it was like the reality of that, that like, I don't know. I, I do believe energetically that was like my dad's voice, like shaking me or, you know, coming and slapping me being like, I'm, you're not going to just sit here and waste your life does away. He so ever, your shit together. Does he ever like, do you have really, really vivid dreams with him? Um, yeah. So I've always had lucid dreams. I've always been a really yeah. good dreamer. Um, but it wasn't really until I lost him that I started to have all kinds of nightmares um, and wow, it, like the nightmares of just various things of like fights happening or like me going back to the house and finding him in different forms and like all these other really traumatic ways. And it eventually got to a place of, I think when my emotions switched to where I wasn't so angry and I could, like you said, like kind of accept it and talk about it and, and want to feel the good. Um, but still to this day, I, I, and that's one thing I really truly believe, and this is a conversation for a different day, but I was once told by a psychic medium that I am what's called a soul traveler. So at night I, oh. like my soul actually jumps into different dimensions. And again, some people are like rolling their eyes being like, Rhonda, you're crazy, but there it does like, that's the best way to describe it, whether or not you believe it. 
Like for me, I can be dead ass asleep. Like you can't wake me up. I will not hear noises because I'm so much in my dreamland um, that it's been weird that like, that's almost my way of connecting to him. And I know some people have said like most, you're not supposed to like see faces or see like bodies in dreams. I don't know how true that is. I've always seen it. And so for me, I my uncle, yeah. So for me, it's been super, super easy. Um, for me, like if I go to that place and I need to connect with dad or do something, whether it's a nightmare or a dream, um, I have them all the time. And, and there is, for me, there is like comfort in that some, when they're good dreams, a million um, but, percent, <laughs> a million yeah. percent. So I don't know. It, it's just, it is interesting. And I mean, I think like, so the last couple of episodes, if people out there haven't listened to them, um, I actually interviewed Remy, who is a psychic medium. And, and so the last couple of episodes, I've been a lot more honest about sharing pieces of my story. And so for those out there listening that like know a little bit of my story, like I've always been connected to the spiritual world. I've always believed in that higher universal intelligence. And so I know, and I'm very, very humble and gracious for this, but I am very lucky in the sense that I can see and feel and have this spirituality connection to my dad and to my spirit guides that some people don't have. And I'm very conscious of that because I also know that not everybody has that. So like when you talk about music or you talk about random songs or you talk about those random moments that weird things happen, it happens to me all the time. And I know yeah. 100% that is them talking to me where right. I've had friends and I've mentioned this before of I've had friends, especially like very, very hard sciencey friends that are like, Rhonda, you see what you want to see. I know that opening my business, people like the people that come to my office, especially if they like have been grieving or they've lost someone they literally come to me because my story is public and I I put on there very honestly that like the whole reason I opened my office was because I asked for a sign for my dad and a an incredible weekend happened to where I was blessed with a variety of feathers and when I shared my story and I told friends I remember one particular friend's response to me was Rhonda, you literally want to see and hear what you want to do. If you want to believe that your dad is in the room, you can make that magic happen or you can believe that that feather just landed in front of you for a reason. And like yeah. to each their own, but those are things for me that's really truly helped me grieve. And that's something I talk about often. And, you know, for you, I think like this can be maybe the next question for you of like the it's not about facts when people die, like creating a faith system of what happens when someone passes gets to be unique to you. And I know religion has a lot of pressure and a lot of structure around what this is supposed to look like. But even then I, and the way I tell clients is like, even then it's fact, like it's, it's not factual. It's based off having faith and faith in that higher power, faith in your spirit, faith in whatever your belief system is. So for me, the way that I've universally been connected is through feathers. Whether or not that is factual, that is my story, that is my faith, that is my experiences, right. where I've had clients come in and be like, I always see rabbits or I always see, you know, like certain butterflies or things like that. And they don't always have to be animals, but like it's your experience. So whether that's you through music and that's how your spirit guides or that's how you connect with them, that's one thing I always push on people is like, this is, that's a whole faith system. If that's your closeness with your spirit guides, don't change that. Don't let other people feel like you're crazy because it's your experience that they have maybe never had. So, I mean, I think that for you touching on like music is also a validation of like, you can connect to them in other ways through food, through music and everything that you've been talking about. I, sorry to interject. Um, just a story that you were just to piggyback off of what you just said uh jose and i went on a hike here and on our way down i was just like it feels good i like i feel good energy i just feel right right now and i said out loud sorry to bring up my sister yet again but i said Christy, if you're here, just give me a sign. And her favorite color is purple. And as we were exiting the trail, I looked down on my right and there were like purple lilacs all around 
and there were like butterflies around them. And I was like, that's a sign. I, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. So yeah, it was just a beautiful moment. And I, I tapped Jose's shoulder and I was like, look, like, and he was like, yeah, Chris is here. So no matter how you want to believe it, whether it's religion, meant to be, whatever it is, the universe, I mean, there are signs when we lose our loved ones. Yeah. And sometimes whether or not like we want them, like that's where I think it's always funny. I know it's annoying They're with us even some of the days where, yeah, like, I mean, for me, I I always welcome it because I'm just that connected. But I know, you know, like certain friends or like I've worked with people before where, you know, the people that they've lost has been their parents or a partner that has been like an abuser to them. And so I think that that's like a whole other, well, it's probably a conversation for another day, but like, it's just interesting how like, even those scenarios, grief can impact a person and, and grief is something really like, grief is like a roller coaster. And, and I learned that the hard way this year about also losing my mom, because like, I never thought losing my mom would hit me on so many different levels as it did my dad. And I remember in my therapy session, like two days after losing my mom, I literally was like, I can't get my shit together. Like, I can't stop crying. My dad is in my head. All I want, like this, I'm reliving my dad's death. I'm reliving all of this. And my therapist just kind of giggled. That there's unspoken words with your mom that you didn't get to say? Um, Yes and no. But the surprising thing is it had nothing to do with my mom. I wasn't. I was grieving her, but the interesting fact, and I, and and when my therapist kind of chuckled at me, she literally said, Rhonda, like, I want you to close your eyes for a minute and see what the first thing is that pops in your head. And it was my dad. And I remember the like intense, unbearable heartbreak and the emotions that came. And she was like, Rhonda, just because you lose another person doesn't mean that like that pain that you experience with your dad disappears. And for me, especially as a therapist, like that is something I never recognized is that mm-hmm. like that pain doesn't go away. If anything, like losing my mom, I was revalidated and reminded of how horrific that pain is. And that's one area I think people don't realize and, and give credit to is that this grief is supposed to look the same. It's supposed to feel the same and Mm-mm. it's supposed to be easier as the years go on, but it really, really doesn't become easier and it doesn't really become ever bearable. It still sucks and it hurts like hell. It. Uh, yeah I know I've been saying like oh I'm happy that I can like laugh about things and have these good memories I you saw me at the beginning of this interview or you heard me at the beginning beginning of this interview that it still hurts me yeah um it's it will never not be emotional when you go through that but that's why for me personally, I try to see the positives in the relationships that I had. And I know that's probably really difficult with your mom. I know you were incredibly close with your dad, but um, it, it will never, it will never be okay. But all you can do is try your best to see the positives in the relationships that you did have with these people that were incredibly close to you yeah that's that's the way I see it and it's easier said than done totally easier said than done what do you think like in your because let's see so your sister died what eight years ago uh yeah uh roughly it will be eight years yeah so in that passing, like what yeah. things have you done besides, you know, like you said, honoring and listening music and talking, what are there some, like, did you ever go to therapy yeah. or did you ever do anything that way to make strides to really improve mental health and to help with the grieving process? Um, no, I never went to therapy. I thought about it. I looked into it. Um, I don't. I don't know. I've just talked to friends. I tried to distract my mind from thinking about what actually happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's just no getting around it at this point. You know, it's, I know you said it earlier and I don't mean to like misquote it, but like what's done is done. You have to move on at some point. And I, 
I say that with lightheartedly because it's easier said than done and it's disrespectful. I don't mean it in a disrespectful way, but um, I don't know. You just, you find new friends. For me personally, yes, do I want therapy? Absolutely. Have I done therapy? No. Um, Have I looked into different activities? Yes. Do I do things that make me happy? Yes. Do I travel? Yes. Um, I just try to push myself to what makes me personally happy is when I push myself to do things that I said I would do when said people were still here with us. I want to make those goals reality. Yeah. So that it means makes more. me happy. Yeah. It means more that I'm actually doing something that I said. That and this all full circle comes back to how I wish I could tell my sister I did this. I wish I could my dad was watching me on TV back home. I wish these things. And I'm actually can I say fucking? I'm actually doing them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what if you could go back? That really helped me. And if you could go back to even like the day you lost your sister or found out, would you do anything differently? Mm -hmm. Like, would you do anything sooner? Would you, would you say things differently? Not necessarily when they're here, but just like for your coping and for your journey. Uh, Would I say something more to them? Yeah, would you like is what it, would you just do differently? Or like when you've been talking and sharing your story, like is there anything that you would um, share differently or say differently that would make a difference, maybe like how where you've gotten to today? Well, and so that's kind of a good point, is that where I am now, now this is years later as we now know, um, I at that moment would have tried to be where I am right now in my life I'm 32 years old going on 33 years old if I knew the next day they were going to be gone I right now would be like well I'm doing this these are my plans this is what I plan on doing I want to do this how do you feel about that I I would talk to them and be like do you... <laughs> say I'm like I want to do good things, you know, I want to try, I'm going to push. And like, as far as dad goes, knowing that he was going to pass, I would tell him like, I'm going to do this for you. Do you have any advice? Do you, how do you feel about this? I would ask him for recipes. Um, he taught me a lot. So I would ask him for advice as far as Christy goes. I would say, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to have fun. I can't wait to have you out. I'm going to cook you dinner. Like, but then I got ripped away. So it's difference with like knowing somebody's going and not knowing somebody's going. So those would be the thing. 100%. That's the hardest part. The hardest hardest part of grieving for me personally is not showing them what I'm doing right now and how I'm succeeding yeah yeah that's the absolute hardest part yeah (laughs) you just want to talk to them (laughs) yeah yeah and I think so many people would relate to that of you know like you said that it's I want to say these last things I want to hug them one more time and you know, I think that it's, you, you, you don't, you don't have it once they're gone. And so you, you know, I think like regret and shame and the what ifs are a big part in the healing. And that's one piece. I think like, if anyone's listening out there, like you can't sit and shame yourself for what you didn't do. You only can learn from this and, and better strengthen relationships moving forward and say those things today. I don't care if you haven't 50 years with this person, say those things today. Don't wait until they're on their deathbed. And give that hug to the, the, the new coworker at work that you don't even care about right now, because they're probably (laughs) going to be your best friend in like five months, you know? say those last things sorry to interrupt you but it's true do those last things that you don't think are important today send that last text you know call that person one more time 
Yeah. Sounds like a daunting task, but do it. Yeah. So other than saying those things, what other advice can you give people that are maybe going through this icky grief cycle or, or, you know, have recently lost someone? What advice would you give to them? Um, the advice I would give to somebody that just lost um, a very close person to them. Breathe. Breathing and meditation. I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. Um, if you breathe, if you find that one person that is just the closest person to you, whether it's a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a fiance, uh, uh, whomever it may be, if you find that person and they're able to hold you and just let you breathe, it seriously helps. You have to let it out. Don't hold everything in. Don't hold your emotions in because that's going to be the absolute devastation of you as a person um when you feel your emotions that's the biggest thing when you feel them if you want to cry cry if you want to scream scream if you want to sing sing if you want to laugh laugh don't hold those into your heart because that's just going to push you to be really really unstable to be quite honest um let those emotions out that's what i did I laugh, I cry, I have those happy times, I have those sad times when you think about the person that you're losing. So just stay true to your emotions is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing I'm going to add to that is the one big reminder that I tell people who have lost people, and I know it's very cliche therapy, but like I need you to hear it when I say it, that it's Mm -hmm. okay to not be okay. I think that there is this society expectation that, you know, we, and I get it. Like I was there when, when it's been months, six months, a year, two years, if you're still grieving and you're, and, and like, you're afraid that I can't talk about this because people are going to be like, Rhonda, you lost your dad five years ago, get over it. But the thing is, is like, you're not ever going to be okay. And yes, unfortunately, until you lose someone really close to you, I mean this in the nicest way, but like, you really don't know what that grief is like. And so the insensitivity you may have, you need to let that go and let that person grieve. If you can surround yourself by people, unfortunately, who have lost people that can talk to you, you're never, ever, ever going to have an ounce of shame or guilt or like making fun of you for experiencing that. And I don't care if it has been 20 years, 50 years, yesterday. It's never going away. Yeah, unfortunately. And I don't want that to sound like it's hopeless. Like people, there's people out there that, you know, have overcome, like this was a conversation I actually had yesterday or today even to where the, uh, the person asked me like, how, like, are there people out there that have really dealt with this? And in my head, I answered and I was like, well, yeah, look at me. But then I'm like, Rhonda, don't be arrogant. Like you really, I mean, you haven't, but I also like part of that is like, has anyone really like, And my answer to that person was, yes, there are people out there that are processing it and dealing with it in their own ways, meaning that they're going to therapy, they're talking to people, they're, you know, going to their energy workers, whatever that may be. And then there's people that aren't. And it depends on when your definition of getting through looks like. If you're a person that wants to get through in a healthy, appropriate way, then yes, you need to talk about it. You need to feel the feelings. You need to go Mm -hmm. to therapy. You need to be able to handle it in a healthy, appropriate way. Mm -hmm. Those, if you don't want to handle it and you just want to push through life, then go find those friends who have lived in that avoidance and denial. But there are people, you know, I think like yourself included, Nick, that has like worked on this and and it hasn't been easy. Like there's moments I know that like it's been unhealthy coping and it's been hell and it's been anger outbursts and it's been negative behaviors. But there's one thing to hold yourself accountable to that, to say like, this isn't okay. And I need to look at what's causing this and deal with that before I just like run through life blind. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um. Once you say it out loud and to your uh, statement, therapy is a great thing. Let's be honest. So saying it, saying it, really it out is. loud. And I don't know for anybody listening to, I actually went to school for behavioral sciences as well. So I kind of have an understanding of this. Uh, not quite as much as Rhonda, but um, definitely talking, talking it out, saying things out loud. 
is so more powerful than people understand. Yeah. Saying things out loud, like just think of that simple statement. Um, but like you said to, I guess my credit, um, definitely speaking, talking, working through it, um, having those emotions, you know, it's, it's a lot, but you still have to remind yourself also, this is incredibly important as well, Rhonda. Um, you have to remind yourself that you do still have a life. You still can move forward. I know it's devastating and you feel like you don't want to eat because you don't feel like you're allowed to eat because you lost somebody or you don't feel like you can have water because like simple things like that. I know it can be depressing, but you have to remind yourself, you still have a life. You yeah. can still move forward. That's, that's a big thing. That's a big moment too. Did, Rhonda, did you feel like that when you lost your dad? Like you couldn't eat or you couldn't. I think I did the opposite where I really think like my life stopped and I didn't, I did like, I see what you're saying. And I a hundred percent agree because I think so many people are like, I can't move on with my life without them. Or if I go on this vacation, right. like they're missing out. And yes. I really think honestly, like I'm going to hold myself to a different standard with this only because like my life stopped and it really wasn't until I took those blinders off that I could move forward. It mm -hmm. wasn't so much that I didn't want to, but I also think it's one of those things that like for me, I've always believed that like my uncle was part of my life attached to me as my spirit guide. And I, and that didn't change with my dad. Like, even though I was pissed, he was gone and going through my own hell. I, I never questioned his, his presence. And so for me, it was I didn't question moving forward because like you said, I wanted to achieve things that I promised my dad. I wanted to make this life better because he was gone and still make him proud. And, yeah. and it was almost so much like, because he's not here, I still want to prove that to him, but I know he's going to be with me every step. So for me, it was like, I want to go on this vacation and <laughs> I don't know maybe if I should admit this, but like we cremated my dad. And so for, for me, it was now this bucket list of everything we'd ever talked about or trips or experiences. I get to bring him along with me off record. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and it's, and it's that thing that, but I do, I do think that so many people feel like they can't go on vacations. They can't buy the house. They can't right. do these things. And part of it, I think, comes to what you pointed out is like the deserving is I think a lot of people don't feel like they deserve to live this life without that person. Right. And that's so wrong. And yeah. again, like my this is totally my values and my belief, but I truly believe like they don't want us to sit here and be miserable. And I get it. It sucks. Right. And and the thing the interesting thought is like, yes, they're dead. And so they they have these higher powers or they have this greater understanding. And so like in a way, like I had a client point this out and I had never thought about it. We're here suffering, right? And to think about them free from pain or away from this hell, it kind of like makes it almost twisted into where like we're Well, that's what suffering. I was saying. I was happy that my dad yeah. passed because he wasn't suffering anymore. Yeah, but you think about that heartbreak, yeah. right? And like right. how messed up is that? That like I'm here grieving, depressed, so upset, so heartbroken, and you're up there living your best life, like free of right. pain, free of heartbreak. And like, I don't know if that's true. Like, I, I do believe that they go through their own different type of heartbreak. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was just an interesting aspect to where, yeah, like that's part of the anger, the anger stage is that you get to be pissed that you're here struggling and you get to be pissed that they left, but you also get to feel those feelings and work through them. And, and it's yeah. a process, it's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, I think that you can't just stop your life because this happened because a uh, like, and, and this hopefully doesn't sound morbid, but like that was one person or that was a couple people in your life that you have lost. You yeah. also have a life filled of people who still are here that matter that you can say those things with. So learn from that, grieve them, honor them, but then also carry on that knowing that like you have a life to live and you matter. That's the other thing is we individually yeah, matter well, in other software. people's life. So go make your difference. Go make your statement in other people's lives. Go so, say right. those things that the people think of you so highly. 
Right. And I think we forget that, that like, it's, it, it, you know, I, I think that for us it, and for you, you probably experience it like, oh my God, I have to be there for my mom. I have to make sure my mom is okay. And yeah. it's my responsibility now that they're not here. And yes, to some degree that is a hundred percent true, but you also have to hold yourself accountable that if you're not okay, then how are you supposed to show up for other people? And, and we have to be careful of not being hypocrites with that because, you know, it can't be of like, mom, you really should go to therapy. You really should do something. You should get a hobby yet. You're turning around and, and engaging in your own, you know, denial or unhealthy coping skills. And right. I think it's really easy for us to say like, Nick, you should be doing this. Like, Nick, you should go to therapy. Nick, you should talk about it when really it's like looking in the mirror being like, no, no, no. What am I doing? If I can't do this, I shouldn't be right. reaching it to people. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I guess to each their own is basically what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. to each their own, but there's also a, a responsible way of doing it. So absolutely. Um, yeah. But everybody has their own story, which is crazy. But I mean, like I said, I've learned in my life to 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 smile at the good things and take in the good because I was looking at all of the negatives for a very long time in my life. Yeah. And now it's I, I'm trying to focus on the positives. And it could be something as stupid as like, oh my gosh, I hit every red light on the way home from getting lunch. Something stupid like that. I'm focus focusing on the negatives when it's like oh my gosh, I have a job. I have a great apartment. I have all of these good things. You have to remind yourself that there are good things. When you have such traumatic yeah. losses in your life, it's really hard to remind you that you do have good things going on. Yeah. So when you can push yourself to kind of retrain your brain, kind of to piggyback off of what you were saying, when you can retrain your brain to be like, all right, I've got to move on got to do this we can do this when you have that positive mentality it's a good thing and yeah. that's that's like what else are you going to do you can grieve absolutely you're going to grieve for the rest of your life it's inevitable but you can also push yourself to be positive about the situation and you can learn so can i speak on that really quickly yeah absolutely um so as we said at the beginning of this podcast um, I lost my sister to an overdose. So something simple anybody listening can do could um, be aware of your surroundings and you can add or uh, donate to a charity for like one suicide awareness, two cancer, three drug addiction. If you can donate to any of that that would be really cool that's me spreading awareness it's something that's obviously near and dear to my heart but um just be aware of your surroundings and and know your peers and you know be aware yeah and with that I think like you know in the final couple things that I'll say to it is like is many of us have that felt have felt alone with grieving and losing someone and I know I've said this before in other podcasts, but like, it can't be more true where you're not alone. There are other people that know exactly what you're going through and it's not easy at all. And I don't think anyone will ever tell you it's going to be. So just know that you're not alone. You're supported. There are resources out there. Like Nikki was saying of like different corporations, um, different support groups, different therapists that are all specialized in dealing with certain topics like this. Um, and, and it's something that I think you, if you are ready to work on yourself and change and heal and begin to feel the feelings, it's out there. You just have to be ready. And, and when you're ready, I think that like the world is going to welcome you and welcome those feelings, but it needs to be on your timeline. There are no expectations. And really at the end of the day, like you need to figure out your own value and belief system in what you need to do in order to heal and stop comparing yourself to my story or Nick's story or anyone else's because this is your story. This is your experience and you're the one that went through this loss. Honor those emotions. Do not run from them. Do not hide from them. Do not shove them, but talk about them, reach out to people 
and really more than anything get to know those resources absolutely because you're not alone and they're there and they're there for a reason because there's other people out there struggling and that have gone through this and it doesn't have to on my end too a lot of people think that it can be embarrassing to say these things out loud and even just me saying some of those things and I didn't even get into like depth but just me saying them out loud felt good so Rhonda has a, a fantastic point speak about what you're feeling and 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 everybody has their own story and everything is everybody has a traumatic experience in their life let's be honest yeah so just realize that exactly like it you talk about things and like I said I didn't even get into depth and I talked about death (laughs) like yeah so we're we're all there so Rhonda's great anyways I'm being awkward no you're being great Okay. And final words, Nick, thank you so much for coming on here and chatting with me and sharing your story. I think that it's really important for people to hear this and and know that they're not alone. And like I said, this is the whole point of the podcast is to talk about the things that we're not talking about, to encourage people to talk about it and to genuinely validate that you are not alone and that there are people out there who will listen. So in closing, I just want to remind you all that you're worthy, your words matter, your story matters, and more importantly, you have something important to say.